Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I'll offer my picks for each and every day of the 2023 Australian Open. Simply put, it's time for us to get our act together here on this segment. 5, 10, and 3 down 1.55 units overall through our first three days of picks is simply unacceptable, as was our performance on day three on this show. We go one in four down 1.07 units overall. I just completely misread the board of matches. I thought Kvitova would cover a minus two and a half game spread. Not only does she fail to do that, she loses in straight sets to Angelina Kalanina. Exact same thing happened with Katie McNally. Loved her serve, loved her forehand in the matchup. She loses in straight sets to Katarina Baindel. I will control my frustration But boy, when Bianca Andreescu won her first set 6-2, I thought we were good. I closed the tab. I moved on to other matches. Not only does Andreescu fail to cover her four-and-a-half game spread, she ultimately loses in three sets to Buxa. A lot of frustration throughout the course of the day. Hubi Hercots wins but doesn't cover the four-and-a-half game spread. I talked yesterday about how I could have seen that coming given Senego's 4-2 career head-to-head advantage, given the fact he had the pace to play through the Hubi forehand. Nevertheless, I trusted Hubi, and he did come through, but the doubts were right there, and that should have been a money line play, not a game spread play. So again, an unforced error by me. Now, I suppose salvaging the day was Yoshihito Nishioka covering his five-and-a-half game spread, but... That should have been a Titanic play. I should have bet the house on that Nishioka match. I gave that play to my oldest cousin who was asking me what action he should get in on on day three of this Australian Open because Sifrakina just didn't have the weapons to hang with Yoshi. Sifrakina's whole thing is his physicality, his ability to extend points. And, you know, Yoshi is better than him at that skill as well as hitting forehands, hitting backhands, hitting serves, hitting returns. So even in a win, that should have been a house play. It was only a quarter of a unit play, thus one in four down 1.07 units overall on the day. That said, I feel pretty good about the bottom half of the draw. I still feel pretty good about my read on where this 2023 Australian Open is headed. I said at the start of the tournament, I would take Novak Djokovic at minus 110 odds to win the event. He is now down to minus 135 odds following the loss of Rafael Nadal in the second round to Mackenzie McDonald. Iga looked much better in round two than she did in round one. And of course, we have her to win her quarter as well as win the event. So we still have some things brewing. Glass half full perspective as we look moving forward into this 2023 Australian Open. And of course, with that in mind, day four of this event is now upon us. We have 32 more fantastic second round singles matches to enjoy on the men's and women's side. And with that in mind, I want to talk through my favorite matchups. I want to talk through where I see value on the board. I want to talk through my picks here. I've got four aces for all of you on day four of this 2023 Australian Open. Of course, I will quickly point out that if you're looking for recaps of each and every day of the year's first major, head on over to our website, crackrackets.com. You'll find direct links to our mini break podcast there. I recap each and every day of this event, spend about an hour handing out my best performance 
performances, my biggest shocks, the most significant results. I try to touch on everything for at least 30 seconds. And of course, as the event goes on, we'll get more specific with individual match breakdowns as opposed to looking more broadly at the big picture of what's happening. But given how many matches there are early in a slam event, we try to take the big picture look here in week number one. So if you're looking for recap content, head on over to our mini break podcast feed. That said, here on the GSP, we want to offer our previews, our predictions. So with that in mind, let me get to it. Here are my day four picks at the 2023 Australian Open, my GSP aces of the day. Let's start on the women's side. Two matches I have my eyes on for my picks here today. Let's start with Annette Conteve, who, if you listened to our previews heading into this 2023 Australian Open, you know I'm stock up on heading into this event. I am well aware that Annette Conteve lost her first two matches of the season. The first, a three-set, 7-6 finish against Jung Chin Wen. The second, a fun straight-set loss, 4-3 to Paula Bedosa. That said, I watched those matches, one of which I was on the call for during my time over at Tennis Channel, the other of which was happening on a separate screen during which while I was broadcasting for T2 in week number two of this year. And in each of the matches, I thought Annette Conteve played good tennis. I just thought her opponents were better. And I know Jung Chin Wen got eliminated yesterday by Bernardo Pera, but Chin Wen played some really good ball through these first three weeks of the season and obviously possesses that sort of overwhelming power tennis that when she's at her best can hit any opponent, including Annette Conteve, ultimately off the court. And, you know, in the second match against Bedosa, that was a really physical straight set match. I know it was only an hour 14 in time, but long physical points often, uh, I would say. You know, again, both players putting returns deep into the center of the court, very neutralizing with their returns. Obviously, the big issue for Conteve in both of her first matches was her second serve, but Conteve found her rhythm in her first round match. Two and three win over Julia Grebert. She faced just one break point, made 71% of her first serves. I mean, I thought Annette Conteve played really well against a Grebert who's had a ton of success at the ITF levels and lower WTA levels over the course of the past six months, and everything just seemed in tune for Annette Conteve. She had her rhythm on the forehand and backhand. Again, she made 71% of her first serves. You look at the advanced analytics, Annette Conteve was not one of the nine WTA players to finish top 25 in both hold and break percentage. She was 22nd in hold percentage. She was 27th in break percentage. So she was right on the precipice of that group. And I'm aware Annette Conteve was a precipitous fall from 2 to 19 in the rankings from last season's high to where she is now this year. But again, we know the level Annette Conteve has showed over the past two years. And I'm well aware Annette Conteve did not have a ton of slam success last season. That's why she's fallen outside of the top 10. You look for Conteve, who lost first round Roland Garros, who lost second round Indian Wells, second round US Open. Of course, you look for her last year's Australian Open. She lost second round to Clara Tossin, although let's remember how well Clara Tossin played in that match. She has not had slam success of late. What's the difference between this slam and those prior slams? She no longer has the expectations, the burdens that come with being, what was she, the two seed at the U.S. Open. She was the two seed at Wimbledon. She was the five seed at Roland Garros. She was the six seed last year in Australia. She's not that 
anymore this year. And I do think for her, the lack of expectations to be the dark horse, to be the chaser, not the chased, she's much better in that former role when she gets to be the challenger. And, you know, again, she's not that. In her match against Magda Lynette, she's obviously the seeded player in this matchup. You look for Conteve, who's played Lynette seven times and three and four in the career head-to-head. That number may give some of you reservation, much like the Sinego number did. But this one's a little different because, you know, uh, two of Lynette's what? Uh, excuse me. Th- all four of Lynette's wins came in 2017 or earlier, back when Conteve was 22 years old or younger and was not the top 25 unequivocal player that she has been over the course of the past two and a half years. That said, the only time they have played during this pandemic era was the 2020 U.S. Open, was a third-round match. Conteve knocked off Lynette three and two in that matchup. I just don't think Magda, you know, it's two similar players. Neither of them has an overwhelming weapon. Neither of them, you know, is exceptional at any one thing. Both of them are pretty good all the way around, you know, Pretty condensed backswings on both the forehand and backhand. Solid first serves, though not that ultimate sort of weapon that the Sablancas, Garcias of the world possess. And yet, you know, this is a matchup where I just think Annette Conteve is a little bit ever- better at everything than Magda Lynette at this point. And you look for Magda Lynette, who currently 30 years old, has had a very good run over the course of the past year. She's 43 and 29 over her last 52 weeks, ended last season pretty strong, uh, making the final in Tampico, making a quarterfinal in Seoul. She starts out United Cup with a win over Jill Teichman uh, before getting knocked out by Madison Keys. Knocked down three sets by Mally, uh, Ali Van Utvank in Hobart, but then a win over Meyer Sharif in round number one. The big thing when I look for Magdalenette, She's 3-5 and five over the last 52 weeks against top 20 opponents, which is pretty good. 3-5 and five against the top 20, playing them about 500, not bad. She's 6-35 and 35 for her career. So 3-5 and five last year, 3-30 and 30 in her career prior to that. Again, Magda Lynette is a litmus test player to entry into the top 50 of the WTA ranking. She's really solid all around. You, you know, the forehand, the grip's a little weird. She's better at generating pace on the backhand side, but she moves well. She will play aggressive. She's pretty good defensively also. No definitive weakness to attack in the game of Magda Lynette other than playing through pace with elite pace through the forehand, but you say that almost about everyone. You know, again, I just think Conteve's better at everything. And the last time they played, which was the last relevant matchup in my opinion, because it was in 2020, it was on a hard court at a slam. Conteve won in two comfortable sets. And you look at the DraftKings odds in this match, Annette Conteve, the favorite heading into this one, minus 200. That feels a little low, considering Conteve a 70.4% favorite against Tennis Abstract. Again, the comfortable straight set win the last time these two played. And she's just... Even though Conteve had a down year compared to what we expected last year, 29 and 16 overall, that down year was still better than what was almost a career season for Magda Lynette. And so again, give me Conteve to advance comfortably in this round two matchup. Get to the third round and I think make some noise at this 2023 Australian Open. You look for Conteve tomorrow. You can get her minus two and a half games, which has been a vomit zone number for us, but I like that number. I think she wins this match in straight sets. I don't think it's going to be six and six. And as long as it's not, if she wins this match in straight sets, we cover that two and a half game spread. It's minus 135 odds taken down from the minus 200 money line. I know risky, but let's roll. 
Conteve, minus two and a half games over Lynette. I just think she's better than her at everything. I think she's serving well enough to serve to that Lynette forehand, set up an easy first strike, and Conteve just has more pace on her first strike than Lynette does. So give me Conteve, minus two and a half games over Lynette, minus 135. Let's let's raise the stakes. It's time. It's day four of this event. We're going a half a unit on this to win 0.37 in return. Now, some of you may accuse me of just chasing, trying to make up that minus 1.55 deficit. I'm not. I feel very good about this Conteve pick. I don't feel quite as good about ace of the day number two, and yet I would still say 91% confident that Karolina Pliskova gets the job done and advances over Yulia Putenseva in round number two. You look at this matchup, Pliskova, very, very successful in her career against Putenseva. 5-0 and overall. She's dropped sets twice, 2019 Miami, 2018 Brisbane. But the big note I would point to, all five of these matchups have happened on hard courts, and Pliskova's 5-0. and in all of them. The 30-year-old, an impressive first-round victory, 1-3 over Wang Shiyu. She faced one break point, saved it, won over 63% of both her first and second serve points, made over 62% of her first serves, and just was in command in that matchup. Had the ball on a string, moving it around the court, playing with great pace, great length on her ground strokes. Again, was setting everything up with the first serve. And I know, you look for Pliskova, 24 and 23 overall in her last 52 weeks. And, you know, a lot of that was the disastrous start to last season where she starts the year two and six and, you know, doesn't end the year particularly well either. You look for her, lost five of her last six matches in 2022 and yet has steadied the ship. Again, you look for uh, Pliskova over the course of this, excuse me, lost lost seven of her last eight matches to end 2022 and start this season. She goes to Adelaide two, has to play qualifying there, gets into the main draw before two and four loss to Danielle Collins. I understand on recent form, Carolina Pliskova is not the player who reached number one back in 2017. And yet when you look for Carolina Pliskova, She's still serving pretty well. Pliskova holding serve last year, 71.2% of the time. That was a top 20 number on the WTA tour and what was clearly her worst season since 2013. It had been about a decade straight of Pliskova as an unequivocal top 10 player. Last year was the first year she was not. And yet the thing that has caused Pliskova to slip is that while she was never the best mover, I think she has lost half a step. I think if you have weapons, you look at the players who beat her down the home stretch of the season, or who have beaten her of like Collins, Ostapenko, Bencic, Rabakina, Vekic, even Alicia Parks to some extent, certainly Sabalenka in the U.S. Open quarterfinals. Those are all power tennis players. Those are all players who have the sort of weapons to get Karolina Pliskova stretched, not allow her to dictate with her weapons. That's not Yulia Putenseva, who moves the ball around the court and plays with high, loopy topspin, has been accused in the past of, dare I say, pushing the ball and just trying to outgrind her opponents and throwing in slices and just trying to wear you down. You can't give Karolina Pliskova time. If you do that, she makes you pay. And I think she's just going to make Putinseva pay over and over and over again throughout the course of this match. She has the bigger weapons. I don't know what Putinseva does to stress Pliskova. Yeah, she'll throw in the slices, but again, like for me, it's getting Pliskova out of the center of the court and bending her knees. It's not getting Pliskova with with the slice that she has time to get to because if she if you give her time, her ability to make contact with the ball is always pristine. 
I just like this matchup for Pliskova. Again, she's 5-0 and in her career. She's dropped just two sets in those five matchups against Putinseva, who earned a good first-round win over Serana Kirstea, three-set, two-hour match. But I'm leaning Pliskova. I really am. And I, I think she wins this match comfortably. You look for Karolina Pliskova, according to Tennis Abstract. Again, she is a pretty comfortable favorite in this one, 65.6%. You look according to the odds right now, Karolina Pliskova, currently a minus 195 favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings, which might have been minus 200 yesterday, but that's not that big of a swing. Once again, Minus two and a half games has been the vomit zone, but you take it down to minus two and a half games for Pliskova. You can get pretty solid odds now. Minus two and a half games, minus 140 for Carolina Pliskova. And again, she wins this match in straight sets. I just don't think Putinseva has the guns, particularly on the serve. And that's the biggest thing is that that serve is going to be a hanging curveball for Pliskova to go after. If she maintains the rhythm she had in round number one, and let's be clear, Despite going 24 and 23 overall last year, she made the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. This is a hard court slam. I like the weapons of Pliskova. I like the minus two and a half games more than the minus 195 money line, although it's notable to me also that Conteve was minus 200 money line and at minus two and a half games is minus 135. Pliskova is a minus 195 money line and yet minus two and a half games is minus 140. I think that means they're a little more confident in Pliskova. I'm going to take Carolina Pliskova, minus 140. Again, it's a half a unit play. Let's lay down some serious juice now. My, uh, my, uh, 0.5 units, excuse me, to win 0.35 in return. Give me the weapons of Pliskova to advance to round number three, which for what it's worth, you look for Carolina Pliskova in her career at the Australian Open. Carolina Pliskova has advanced to the third round of this event, a grand total of seven times, including in each uh, in every season from 2015 to 2021. So she made seven straight round of 32s before getting eliminated last year prior to that round. I mean, I feel good about this Pliskova wager. You know what? The confidence interval has been raised. This is now a 94% confidence pick. Pliskova, minus two and a half games of her Pretensiva, minus 140, half a unit to win 0.35. Those are my two aces of the day on the women's side. Again, it's day four. Let's go with four aces. Let's move over to the men's side of things now. Let's return to the J.J. Wolf well. Wolf did us a favor on day number two, handed us a victory as he knocked out Jordan Thompson uh, ultimately in four sets. You look for Wolf now. He's taken on Diego Schwartzman. And I understand from a seated perspective, Schwartzman is the favorite in this match. According to Tennis Abstract, Diego Schwartzman, a 53% favorite over J.J. Wolf as well. That said, here's the key number when looking for Diego Schwartzman. 29 and 25 over the course of his last 52 weeks, 7 and 12 on hard courts during that stretch of time. He had lost eight straight hard court matches prior to beating the qualifier Krucek in his first round four set victory. And Look, I think there's a, a strong chance Diego Schwartzman doesn't finish this match, and ultimately we're going to sadly have to avoid this pick as Schwartzman is extraordinarily banged up. The thigh is injured. You know, again, the the knee isn't quite right. He's not moving with full flexibility, with full range of motion. 
it's hurt, hampered his serve. He's had to be a little bit more aggressive on the return with his ground strokes, and he was great. You know, for what it's worth, he saved 14 of 16 break points in his first-round match. But Krucek doesn't have the weapons nor the consistency of weaponry that J.J. Wolf possesses. And you look for Wolf over the course of the past year. He has returned to his top 100 self following injury. That serve, that forehand, they just have a place. The heaviness, the pace, the effectiveness, how well he locates them, how well he moves forward behind them. They just have a spot in the top 50, particularly on hard courts. And you look for Wolf, who made third round U.S. Open, beat RBA there, You know, then makes the final in Florence in October. He makes a uh, round of 16 in Auckland. He qualifies in Vienna with good win, a good win over Fucevic before getting knocked out 6-5 and five by Hatchinov. He earns a four-set win over Thompson in round number one. Again, I just think his weaponry, the heaviness of his ball, given the state of Diego Schwartzman physically. I, I'm reticent to say again that this match finishes. If it does, though, I think JJ Wolf advances comfortably. JJ tomorrow, a favorite, according to our friends at DraftKings, which I think is indicative that the betting public, the lines makers, odds makers know that JJ should be the uh the favorite given his form. He's minus 190 tomorrow, which given he's a tennis abstract underdog, I think everyone's seeing what we're all seeing with our eyes with Schwartzman's form right now. Minus 190 is too high. You can get him minus two and a half games, excuse me, minus three and a half games at minus 120. And again, I think he wins this match in straight sets. It's not going to be 6-6-6. Six, six, and six. And I think he advances comfortably. He may take a first set 6-2 and Diego Schwartzman retires. And I wonder if DraftKings pays out at that point because technically Wolf wins. Technically, he covered the three and a half games. We'll see what we do with the nomenclature. Probably void it if the match doesn't finish for the sake of our record here. But I'm taking Wolf. He's played better. I think his weapons give Schwartzman a tough test. Again, give me Wolf. Minus three and a half games over Schwartzman. Minus 120. Half a unit to win 0.41 in return. That's ace of the day number three. Ace of the day number four. Little parlay action. How can we not? I know parlays haven't been the best to us thus far. I think we're one and two overall through our first three days, but or maybe one and three. But I feel best about this one. Oh, I felt really good about Nori Andrescu. And after that first set, I how could you not? Um, but... I'm going a Demon Hour Dimitrov parlay. One of them on a game spread, the other on the money line. Let's start with the Demon Hour game spread. He's minus five and a half games tomorrow against Adrian Manorino. You look, according to Tennis Abstract, Demon Hour, a 78.9% favorite in his matchup against Manorino. And Demon Hour looked great in a straight set victory. Two, two, and three, just over two hours over the qualifier. Sue in his first round matchup. Manorino, a four set victory, just over three hours against John Is. I just think this is a big event for Demon, who, you know, you look for him, third round U.S. Open, semifinal Stockholm, round of 16 in Paris, but beats Medvedev there, gets a good win over Nadal in United Cup, you know, wins the title in Atlanta. He's played really good ball since the start of the hard court summer, and given Demon Hour turns 24 years old at the end of February, he's hovered in that 15 to 30 range for much of the past three seasons. Is that a ceiling? Is this where he's destined to be? And by the way, to be that guy over the course of a decade, it's a really good career you're putting together if you're making it, you know, seven, eight, nine second weeks at slams in your career, even if you never get to a semifinal, a final, just to consistently be in the mix, which is where Demon Hour has been, particularly at hardcourt majors. 
that's an accomplishment. That's a really impressive career that any aspiring junior would trade for today. And for what it's worth, you look for Demon Hour in terms of at-the-hard-court slams of late. He's made the third round 2019 Aussie and U.S. Open, third round 2020 U.S. Open, third round 2021 Aussie, third round 2022 Aussie. There's also a 2018 U.S. Open run. He's made the third round at hard-court slams already seven times in his career. He's advanced past that stage on three different occasions at hard-court slams slams. And I mean, look, I think he gets back to the third round as he's taken on Adrian Manorino. You look between these two, the career head-to-head uh, Manorino, uh, excuse me, Demon Hour 2-1 and one in the career head-to-head against Manorino. He beat him actually in the Atlantic quarterfinals in three sets last summer. 2-0 in their career when they faced one another on hard courts. You look for Adrian Manorino. He's now 30-31. and 31 overall in his last 52 weeks of play. You look for him against top 50 opponents during this stretch of time, Manorino, 8-14. His hold percentage, 77.4, but perhaps more ghastly. The break percentage falls apart, 16.9%. Demon Hour is better at everything. And yes, Manorino's a great shot maker, but Demon Hour is one of the rare guys who has the athleticism to track down that first Manorino slap and force Manorino to be consistently excellent. And I just think in front of an Australian home crowd, Demon Hour might might put put the beat down on Manorino in this match. So I think he wins it in straights. If he does, my, with at least one lopsided set, and if he wins one lopsided set, he should cover a minus five and a half game spread, which is four, four, and four uh, in a victory over Manorino. So let's take that money line you see for Alex Demon Hour. And again, Demon Hour, the comfortable minus 600 favorite over Manorino. It becomes minus 170 if you take that minus five and a half game spread. And again, that's a straight set victory. For a guy who's an 80% plus favorite on tennis abstract, that feels likely. Give me Demon Hour, minus five and a half games, minus 170. Let's parlay him. And it feels bad even coming out of my mouth now. But let's parlay him with 27th seeded Grigor Dimitrov. And I thought the 31-year-old looked really good in a straight set first round victory over Aslan Karatsev where he faced one break point, got through it. It was a really hot day, really tough conditions. His ball was flying through the air. He was hitting winners left and right and moving very well. Dimitrov looked fit. One of these moments where he looked healthy. You look at what he's done so far this year. A good win over Gofen. Then that fun three-set battle against Tsitsipas at United Cup. He follows that up with the win over Karatsev. I think he's healthy for the first time in a while. And we saw at the end of last season, semifinals in Vienna before getting knocked out by Medvedev. And round of 16 in Paris before getting knocked out by Alcaraz. When he's healthy... He's still a top 25 guy. You look for Laszlo Jura, who started the year out well. Quarterfinals in Auckland, win over Rude and Munar, beats Zizou Bergs in four sets in round number one here. He's having more hard court success than he has typically had throughout the course of his career. You look for him 68 and 97 in his career across levels on hard courts, 26 and 53 overall at the ATP level. And yet you look for him last season, 10 and 12 was a major improvement. And yet... You know, again, Zizou Bergs is not D- Grigor Dimitrov. It's a different caliber of weaponry. It's a different caliber of pressure that you're going to be put under. And I don't think the Laszlo Jira forehand is still quite ready for that sort of pressure. Now, the backhand absorbs pace extraordinarily well. And Grigor loves to hit that inside-out forehand. That's something Jira will be able to take away from him. But again, I think, I don't know what Jura does to overwhelm Dimitrov in this match with because playing with heavy pace 
yeah, his, his ball is heavy topspin on the forehand, but I don't think it's going to give Dimitrov's backhand that many issues. I think Rigor's in control of this match. Again, the big thing for Laszlo Jura, holds serve 75.3% of the time in his career in ATP level matches on hard courts. Even last season when he was 10 and 12 overall, he was still at 80.2%, which is two and a half percent below the average of a top 50 player and four percent below where Grigor Timitrov was across surfaces for the duration of the season. So give me Grigor to advance. That said, again, given the athleticism of Jura, given that backhand flexibility he has, let's just go with the Grigor money line. Let's go with a minus 380. Grigor just has to win this match. It doesn't have to be an impressive fashion. It can be four sets. If it's five sets, we'll sweat, but he can do that as well. Let's take Grigor minus 380 money line. Let's take Demon Hour minus five and a half games. You parlay those two things together. Smack dab plus 100 odds, even money. Let's take it. Let's go half a unit to win half in return. That just feels like a good omen to wrap up our fourth ace of the day. I'm feeling good, folks. I think we're going to win our money back. I think we're going to go, let's see. I'm going to do some quick math in my head. 72 plus 41, one. 23 oh excuse me 113 163 yeah let's w- let's win these four will be 9 10 and 3 up 0.08 units overall let's have a 4 and 0 day 4 how about that folks let's rock and roll of course before we wrap today's show just a quick look at some of the other matches on the board tomorrow lots of good ones here on day number 4 i have of the what Let's see, it's round of 64, so 16 second-round singles matches in play on the women's side. I think nine of the 16 have the ability to go three sets. Some of them I'm not putting on this list to manifest straight-set victories, including Pliskova, Putinseva, Kontave, Lynette, but some of you may feel those matches could go the distance, but... I think Townsend Alexandrova is destined to. Now, Alexandrova will like the heavy, loopy topspin of Townsend because it'll give her time to swing through the ball freely. But man, Townsend played really well in round number one. So over two and a half sets, plus 115 feels good there. Georgie, 0-1-1 over Pavlichankova. She can't do that again, can she? I'll take over two and a half sets in her and Shmidova. Lauren Davis is playing too well. This feels like a typical three-setter for Elisa Mertens. That's plus 100 odds to go over two and a half sets. Fernandez Garcia, what a battle that promises to be. Plus 110, just root for as much of it as possible. Burrell Fruvertova, Begu Sigamin, Shwe Martic, all feel like they could go three. Gracheva Stefanini, perhaps. And then Von Drusva, who from 4-1 down in the first, takes a three-set win over Ali Risk yesterday. She's got to play back-to-back days. That said, I don't know how healthy Own Jabur is. So over two and a half sets plus 120, or maybe even a little Von Drusva plus 105 money line. Those are all interesting. And by the way, speaking of the money lines, Pliskova minus 195. Kontve was minus 195, now up to minus 200. Shout out to us. Potapova minus 195 over Parizas Diaz. I know Potapova played yesterday against Stevens. Parizas Diaz, an impressive upset victory over Haddad Maya. I just am in on the upside of Potapova, her movement on the hard court, her ability to absorb redirect pace, but maybe you're a little gun shy after Parisa's DS got us yesterday. Tommy Paul, minus 195. I think Tommy's going to the second week. I think he's beating the winner of Brooksby, Kasparud, uh, and to do that, he's got to beat Davidovich Fokina, who's been inconsistent as always, to start this 2023 season. That's a very athletic match. That's a really fun one. I'd lean Paul minus 195 or even maybe the Tommy Paul game spread minus three and a half games, minus 120. I thought Tommy looked great against Struff, uh, but 
we'll just stay away and enjoy that match instead of betting another back-to-back American. We chose J.J. Wolf instead, who, by the way, minus 190 over Schwartzman. Merton's minus 135 over Davis. Eh. Kudla plus 160 over Umber. Ball Dennis is a different sort of cat. Uh, Shmilova plus 190 over Georgie. Bonzi plus 195 over Cranio Busta. My eyes say Benjamin Bonzi is playing better than Cranio Busta right now. Bonzi, uh, finalist in India in week number one of the season. He lost to Greek Spore, who beat Botic yesterday and is into the third round of this major. I mean, these are two guys who do everything pretty well on the court. The Cranio Busta forehand, the biggest weapon, but not by much. That's just a physical match. That match screams take the over. And by the way, you can take over 37 and a half games minus 120 in that one. That feels like a battle. Brooksby plus 250 over Rude. Has Casper played that well? Brooksby's going to make him work. That said, what does Brooksby do to actually hurt Casper Rude other than make him work and try to force him into the backhand corner? It's a great question. I think that one's going to be fun. That's another. Perhaps you take the over, and the over is only 36 and a half games minus 115. That feels like a strong over. And then Cressy plus 425 over Runa. I mean, why not? Like, again, the big serving of Max Cressy, you just have no rhythm. You can see a world where Runa gets real frustrated real quick. That one's an interesting one for a guy who made the second week in Australia last season. So, Cressy plus 425 would be a fun long shot bet on the day. Again, some other spreads. Sabalenka minus 4.5 over Rogers minus 130. That match could also go three sets, but Sabalenka's looked really good. Vekic minus 3.5 games over, uh, excuse me, Samsonova minus 3.5 games over Vekic. Given the fact that Vekic had to play two days in a row, she won 7-6 in the third to go from that to having to deal with the pace that Samsonova plays with. Talk about a nightmare. So that's just a schedule loss almost for Vekic and why I like Samsonova at the minus three and a half games. Fruvertova minus two and a half. Potapova minus two and a half. They're each interesting as well. On the men's side, I mentioned some overs already, but Kudla Umber. You know, Rublev, Rusevori, Holt RBA over 30 and a half games, minus 125. Two smooth players. That's going to be some fun tennis. Dimitrov minus four and a half games if you want to take the spread over the money line. Uh, Kudla plus four and a half. Cressy plus six and a half. He's going to get broken three times by Runa. I don't know about that. Brooksby plus six and a half. Holt plus eight and a half. I just don't think Brandon Holt's going to get blown out. I think that's going to be a really fun match. Even if he loses four, four, and four, he still covers eight and a half games. Um, you know, Sabalenka minus 400 money line. Samsonova minus 275 money line. Bigu minus 260 money line. Fruvertova minus 225 money line. They're all in the parlay zone. That would be my look at day number four of this 2023 Australian Open. Again, simply put, full circle here. It's time for us to step up our game. It's time for us to do what's expected here on this show. So 4-0 here on day four. That's what we're shooting for as always. Uh, But of course, if you're looking for recap content of each and every day in Australia, check out our mini break podcast feed, which you can find wherever you listen to your podcasts, including an emergency episode on the Rafa loss with my dear friend, Ben Rothenberg. Of course, all of you can also check out our thoughts on the latest Netflix docuseries, Breakpoint, over on the Inside Out podcast feed. Myself, Gil Gross, recapping each and every episode. We've recapped the first two thus far. Next episode coming out, I believe, on Friday. So be on the lookout for that. College tennis rocking and rolling. We covered it here on the GSP feed and we'll continue to do so throughout the course of the year. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. With that said, your four, day four, 
GSP aces of the day. Contave, minus two and a half games over Lynette, minus 135, half a unit to win 0.37. Pliskova, minus two and a half games over Putin Seva, minus 140, half a unit to win 0.35. Wolf, minus three and a half games over Schwartzman, minus 120, half a unit to win 0.41. And then Demon Hour, minus five and a half games over Manorino. And Dimitrov, minus 380 money line over Laszlo Jura. Parlayed together, plus 100 odds, half a unit to win 0.5 in return. Those are your day four picks for the 2023 Australian Open. With that said, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. (laughs) 